Thank you, Angela, and thank you, the team as well, who are helping there. And uh, well done, Josh, for hiding down the back with the uh, to get the connection for the for the words. You need to come back and do the slides for me, though. <laughs> Just kidding. We can get by without. Um, okay. Morning, everyone. My name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here. At, uh, at Christ Central, and it's so good to welcome you to our meeting, especially if you're here for the first time. Really good to have you with us, and if you're joining us online as well, great to have you uh, join us also. Uh, just before we get into the message this morning, just want to tell you uh, a few things that are happening over the next week or so. The first one is our one big question, and over the last month, many of us will know that we've been asking people what the one question is that they would love to ask God if he was going to answer that question, what would that question be? And uh, we had a few weeks where people were answering that and, and just saying what their question would be. And we've taken all of the questions and we've compiled them into uh, the top five most commonly asked questions, which we will be looking at throughout the month of November. And there is a list of all of the questions and all of the dates on the uh, news sheet for this week. In fact, I don't know did, if people got the news sheet as they were walking in. Um, I don't know maybe if any welcome team, I don't know if we can hand them out if they didn't. Did we get the news sheet this week? No? No? Some people did. Okay, great. Well, look, if, make sure you pick one up on the way out. Um, if not, um, because it's got all the details and all the dates and in fact all of the things about one big question uh, are on there. We've got the five topics and we've got who is speaking on them. And uh, we would love you to go back to the folk that you asked uh, the questions to and, uh, and see, is there, is there a question which seems to be similar to the one that they asked? Because we've, we've kind of summarized them all and come up with uh, a, a kind of overarching question to cover a number of things. So, for example, we're looking at one about, is there life after death? Well, lots of people ask, you know, what about my parents who have died? Are they in heaven? Or um, even, you know, are my pets in heaven? And uh, what is heaven like? And what about resurrection and reincarnation? All of those are, are under the topic of, is there life after death? Um, so we would love you to go and share with your friends and your family and your colleagues. Um, these are the questions. And if you want to tune in, uh, you can either come in person uh, or you can um, look online as well. And we'll address these questions. So we're going to be doing that from next week. People will be able to join us here in person at 9.30 and 11. Note the change of time from next week, 9.30 and not 9 o'clock. Um, we're just wanting to make sure we have space and time to get all visitors here. Next week as well, the clock's changed, so you get even an extra hour, like 10.30. We're going to aim to have all our talks up online by 11 o'clock on Sunday. Also this week, we have our All Together meeting, which is going to take place here at 140 Clark Street and also online on Zoom. So you can register through our website to meet here um, or you can connect via Zoom and look remotely as well. We've got lots of news to share. Derek and Tamara White will be uh, sharing. They're our architects, and they'll be giving more detail about the plans that they drew up for this building, for the renovations here. We'll have other important news. We'll let you know how our gift day went in those last few weeks. If you haven't had a chance to give to our gift day yet, there's still an opportunity. You can do that via e-transfer or via Tithely. Just mark that it's for gift day and we'll add that 
to the total as well. Okay, so that's what's happening in the next few weeks. It's exciting. Right, let me ask you a question. How patient are you? How patient, <laughs> we got a ha. <laughs> How are you with waiting? I've got to tell you that I am a pretty impatient, well, I can be pretty impatient at times. Generally, um, maybe especially in some areas of my life. I've learned to be more patient as the years have gone by and as I've got older, but I still have to battle with it. And I think many people do have to battle with patience as well. There are certain situations where my impatience comes out more than others. One of those is on a plane when I'm flying. I'm obviously not having to do that at the moment, which is maybe uh, not a bad thing for my impatience. Even before getting on the plane, I get really kind of twitchy and obsessed with whether the plane is going to be on time or not. Like, just super obsessed. Like, I'm looking at the information boards like every five minutes. Is the plane going to be on time? Have they called the gate yet? Are we going to be able to go yet? And you get through all of that, and then when you get on the plane, the journey just seems to be kind of endless. And you, by the time you get to the destination, my impatience tends to have come to a bit of a head. So as soon as the sign goes off that you can unfasten the seatbelts, uh, pretty much everyone's in the same position, I think. Everyone seems to do the same thing. You know, the doors are still locked and everything, but as soon as the sign for the seatbelts comes, everyone stands up, we're all crowding in the aisles, everyone's getting their bags, and everyone's waiting, everyone's waiting for the doors to open and the charge to come. Now, I know there's a certain politeness that you have to have on a plane in getting off the plane. So even though you're all standing up and you're all ready, you kind of, you have to let the people off in order in front of you. So it would be like super rude to just barge past people uh, who are in front of you. But, you know, even then, I find myself getting quite stressed if the person who's in the row in front of me hasn't been one of these who's got up and got their luggage out first. So people are off, and then they stand up and they're, oh, oh, let me just, I'm like, you could have done that, you could have done that five minutes ago while we were waiting for the doors to open. So anyway, they, they get their luggage off and I'm kind of, oh, okay. But as soon as you get into the tunnel going off the plane, that's it, all bets are off. <laughs> I'm, I'm off. Like I start to walk twice as fast as I would normally walk at any other time. Like I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I overtake at least five people in that tunnel. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then it's like a race to get to immigration for me, especially if I'm going over, uh, overseas. Um, my aim is to get past as many people as possible, um, which doesn't help if you've got, I mean, it's a little bit better now, but when we had young kids, this wasn't really a great thing because what would always happen, like I'd be like, come on, and as soon as we got into, as soon as we saw the first washrooms, one of the kids would say, I need to pee. And I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me. We, why didn't you go on the plane? I mean, it's pretty obvious answer for that. You don't want to if you don't, if you can't help it. But it was like, oh, no. So then they'd be in the washroom and I'd be like, people walk, all the people I've overtaken walking past me again. I'm like, what a waste of time. My stress levels are just getting higher. And like, come on, we've got to get to immigration. People are coming off other planes and they're filtering it. Oh, no, they're at the nearer gate. They're going ahead. And um, 
I seem to kind of forget that there's nothing really to, to rush for. <laughs> you kind of still got to wait for your luggage to come off. But for me, I've just got to get off as fast as I can. Now, I see a few people identifying. Most people are looking at me a bit crazy. So maybe this is just me. Um, but I've, I've always kind of, I guess I live up to my name a bit, Rushworth. Um, <laughs> I've never been fishing in my life. I just can't imagine sitting and waiting <laughs> for fish. <laughs> I couldn't cope. I think as a society, we've got very impatient. Um, we've got used to things happening fast. You know, there's fast food, isn't there? Microwaves. Some of us even stand at the microwave and we watch the little countdown. Come on, come on, 10, 9, 8. God tells us one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. And there are many times in our life that God asks us to wait. And there are times of waiting, and, and not only times of waiting. In God, there are times of waiting and there are times of suddenly. It's interesting. And we're going to see both of these in our passage today as we look at the book of Acts, which is what we've been going through. And I want us to see what God's got to say to us through this times of waiting and then times of suddenly. Waiting for the suddenly, or it's called this. We're going to read a few verses from Acts, um, some from the Acts 1 and then some from Acts 2. We're going to skip a little bit. So we're going to start in Acts 1 and verses 3 uh, through 5. Let's read it here. It says this about Jesus. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skipping to verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer among the women, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then skipping to chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay. So before we get into specific detail about these verses, let's give a little context because we have to realize there'd been a whole lot of waiting even before this point. Back at the start of the Bible, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, we read that God made us, he created us, but we sinned against him and death came into the world. You remember the serpent uh, who was Satan uh, as a serpent dis uh, tempted um, the first people, Adam and Eve, to eat from the tree of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And sin came into the world, death came into the world. And in Genesis chapter 3 and 15, God speaks judgment against Satan, against the serpent. And we see God's first promise of a savior, Jesus, 
coming into the world who would defeat Satan. He would reverse the effects of our sin. And he says this in, uh, God says this in Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you'll strike his heel. There's a promise there of a savior coming who is going to crush the head of the serpent. This is encouraging news at a time when God is actually bringing his uh, judgment against sin to Adam and Eve. It's encouraging news. A savior is going to come. There is still hope. But how long did it take for that to happen? Thousands of years. Thousands of years. Talk about a long wait. But God was at work during that time. And we can read in the Old Testament about what he was doing uh, in and through people. We see there was a lot of waiting even then. We see God promising Abraham a son, Abraham and Sarah a son, but he has to wait and wait for him. God promises his people a land flowing with milk and honey, but they spend years and years in the wilderness. And after all of these years of waiting, finally the Messiah is born in Bethlehem in a small, insignificant place. And his birth was announced to shepherds who were in the field tending their flocks as they had been doing night after night after night. And suddenly, Luke 2 tells us, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's been years of nothing, years of no savior. And then suddenly, the angelic host appear and they're announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. Suddenly, God acts. And then Jesus lives without sin. He dies for our sin. He rises from the dead and he appears to his disciples over a period of 40 days. And he says to them, now I'm going and he was is about to ascend to heaven. And he says, now you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's sending them on a global mission. It's huge. They've been waiting for this time. It's been thousands of years of waiting. And now Jesus says, this is what you're going to do. And what's the first thing that he tells them to do? Wait. Wait. Wait for the filling of the Spirit. Waiting is difficult. Waiting is difficult. Everyone I think pretty much is waiting for something. Kids, you're waiting to grow up and be an adult. Many kids get impatient. I wish I was bigger. I wish I was older. I wish I could do these things that I can do when I'm older. There's an impatience about waiting to grow up. Many people are waiting to find the person that you long to marry. Some people are engaged and having to wait until they're married to be intimate with their spouse. A number of folk are trying for children and having to wait until it happens. We personally, myself and my wife Debbie, had 15 years of waiting before God brought Grace and Josh to us as our children. And then when you have a baby, many parents are waiting until their child can sleep through the night and not wake up and not cry all the time 
People who don't have work are waiting for the job that you need or the opening to come for the career that you've chosen. Waiting is difficult. At the moment, we are waiting for citizenship. Bless Gabby and Santiago. I know something of their story, but a story of waiting. Thank you for sharing that this morning, and you're still in the middle of it. Waiting on God. Waiting is difficult, but we need to know that God is at work in the waiting. God is at work in the waiting. He's at work in us. He wants to teach us through the waiting. He's working on our character. He's working on our dependency on himself. He's working on us to say, do you trust me? Do you believe that I'm a faithful God? And as I say, bless you, Gabby, for sharing that this morning, even in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the difficulty to say, but God is faithful. He is. He is. Sometimes we don't want to wait. Sometimes we don't want to wait. So we, we take matters into our own hands. We decide we can't wait for God anymore. So we settle. We settle for a relationship which we know isn't God's best for us. Or we can't wait until we're married, so we decide we're going to have sex anyway. Or we know God's called us to live and serve him somewhere, but we panic that maybe not everything has lined up. He hasn't provided the right job for us yet, so we move city, even though we know in our hearts it's not what God has said to us. Abraham in the Bible took matters into his own hands regarding the promise of a child, didn't he? It's understandable in some ways. He was old. He was old. He was like 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, was in her 90s. She was infertile. She was old. She was well past childbearing days. They had this promise. They couldn't see how God was going to fulfill the promise. So they took matters into their own hands. They decided, well, Abraham, maybe you should have a child through Sarah's uh, servant, Hagar. So they did. It wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's timing. He wasn't, Ishmael wasn't the child of promise. For Debbie and I, when we were trying for a baby, after a while, we, we took, set off down the route of um, fertility treatments. Uh, in the UK, you can get um, two months of uh, two monthly cycles of fertility treatments for free um, on, the, on the National Health Service there. And so we had one cycle, it didn't work. And then uh, just as we were about to go for the second monthly cycle of it, we just strongly felt God speak to us through this passage in Genesis, actually, that I've just referred to, that God was saying, I've not asked you to go down that route. I've not asked you to do that. So we, we didn't take the second set of treatment. That was probably about three years in to 15 um, before God brought Grace and Josh along. Now, I have to say, I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that that is what God's saying to everyone. I, that was what God said to us. That was what God was saying to us in our walk with him. For other people, fertility treatment may well be a route for God providing uh, children for you. We've got close friends who were also infertile at the time, and their story of, m it's a miraculous story of God's intervention, and it did involve fertility treatment. Um, so it's not about saying you should do this or you shouldn't do this. It's about walking with God. As we walk with God, what's God saying to us? What's God 
leading us into uh, our particular time. Whatever our struggle is, if we, if we take it into our own hands because of impatience, we tend to make a mess of it. Or we can get bitter, as God was talking about, as <laughs> Joe was talking about last week. Joe isn't God. <laughs> as Joe was talking about last week. Or we can complain and we can get frustrated and we can feel, well, God's treating us unfairly or, well, did God really say this? I'm not sure because he doesn't seem to be giving us what we want. That isn't how God wants us to wait. Actually, as we look at this passage in the book of Acts, we see how God wants us to wait. We've got to realize waiting is hard. But how does God want us to wait? Well, the disciples return from meeting Jesus and seeing him ascend into heaven, and then they go uh, upstairs to a room, and what do they do? It says they join together constantly in prayer. And then we read on and we see that during that time, Peter stands up and he's, he starts quoting scripture about replacing Judas as one of the 12 with, with Matthias. Joe spoke about that last, last week. But they're, they're spending time together in prayer. And they're going to do that for the next 10 days. Now, it would have been really tempting for them to say, okay, Jesus has told us what we're going to do. He's made it clear. We're going to go out and be witnesses to his resurrection and 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 talk about and tell the good news to Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. Um, we know what we're going to do. Why are we just waiting around? What, what are we waiting for? Let's just get on with it. I mean, how do we know what it's going to be like when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? People hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit before, apart from one or two people in the Old Testament. Who knows what it would be like? Maybe we've been filled with the Holy Spirit already. I, I don't know. Maybe let's just go. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. If they had, they would have made a mess of it. Instead, they waited, and while they were waiting, they prayed. So here are some key things that God's wanting to teach us about waiting for him to move. First thing, he doesn't want us to just wait alone. He doesn't want us to just wait it out alone and get on with the rest of our lives. And he doesn't just want us to push it down inside us and pretend that it's not there. He doesn't want us to just pretend this isn't something that we desire. He wants us to be together with other believers, praying in the word of God, strengthening and encouraging one another. And one of the main ways that we can encourage each other is in regular community together with the church, with other believers, either with a small group of friends, maybe with a midweek life group. Now, I know and I understand that these groups aren't the easiest groups always to be a part of. People in the church and in our life groups are often very different to us. They're very different to us. But then again, the disciples were a very different bunch of people. They, um, lots of them wouldn't have naturally hit it off together with each other. We've talked about that before. You've got zealots who are freedom fighters, and then you've got Matthew, the tax collector, who is working with alongside the Romans. They probably wouldn't have hit it off. They wouldn't have got on naturally together. You've got the disciples here praying in the same room with the women, Mary, Jesus' mother, and his brothers. They wouldn't have had the easiest of relationships together. If you remember, um, his family had once come when Jesus was preaching, his family had come to take him out of that situation because actually they thought he'd gone crazy. He was saying that he was the son of God and they thought, well, man, our son has gone 
crazy, we need to get him out of this situation. But his disciples are obviously following him. Now, Mary and his family believe that he's the Son of God, and they're with, they're with the disciples. By the way, that's one of the strongest proofs that Jesus did rise from the dead. Because before he, ra- he was raised from the dead, his family thought he was crazy. And after he died and raised again, they were praying to him. So how many mums would imagine worshipping their son as a sinless deity, a sinless God? You probably can't imagine that. How many children can imagine worshipping as God your brother or your sister? It's, it's not likely to happen. You're probably not going to be sitting around thinking your brother is God. <laughs> and without sin, it's not likely to happen. But that is exactly what Jesus' family were doing. Anyway, lots of different people in life groups. It takes time to get to know them. It does take some effort. We have to be able to get over when people say things uh, which are m- maybe are insensitive or which might upset us. And we can react to those things. And, and actually God's saying, look, push through, work through some of these things. Don't back off. We have to deliberately push past the fear of opening up our lives to people. Saying to people, this is the reality of my life. This is what I'm going through right now. You know what it's like, the temptation when, when the, the life group leader says, is there anything uh, that anyone would like prayer about? And we start to say, oh, we start to tell the group about our neighbor's aunt who's got the bad shoulder, rather than the huge thing that we're dealing with in our own life. That's the temptation. What are we going to tell people about? Are we going to tell people about this side thing that's going on in someone else's life? Or are we going to say, actually, I'm really struggling with this right now. Please, will you pray for me? That's hard to do. That's hard to do. It takes courage and it takes trust. But listen, when you can get past that, you can find real encouragement and strength in God in the waiting. Because the truth is, everyone is battling with something. And as we stand and pray together, we can encourage each other in the word of God. I I just want to commend our life group leaders, Passionate and Rebecca. They have understood this. They've understood what a life group should be. And they gently encourage us to move out of our comfort zone, knowing that God is there and he will encourage and strengthen us. And it doesn't always feel comfortable. This last week, Joe preached about bitterness. And they they started in our life group, which is on Zoom. And they said, okay, let's all talk about the areas where we are struggling and we are tempted to feel bitter. Or we are feeling bitter. And you're like, whoa, what happened to the icebreaker? (laughs) It's like, we're going to do this? Honestly, people shared like deep things that they were struggling with and then and then passionate brought some scripture and he we prayed into it it was powerful but it wasn't comfortable it takes time and to be honest we'll only do it if we see it in the word of god that that's what god has wanted for us if we see it and believe it and think this is what how god wants to deal with us in community together then we'll say we're going to push through this We're going to battle the discomfort and the embarrassment and the fear and the 
lack of courage. Because it's God's plan for us not to cope with things on our own, but to be part of a group of believers, the church. We're a family together as the church. We can't always encourage each other in the same way in a big group, so we have smaller groups. It might be you just choose a few friends. We can do some things together as a church. We can come and pray for some of the big things that are on God's heart that he's leading us into. We, he's sending us to, on a mission to reach our neighbors and our networks and the nations in our, in our midst, even going ourselves to nations. And we've got a number of ways that we're doing that, like one big question we've talked about. Ignite, Kids Club, Alpha, Drop In, whatever it might be. Um, God isn't wanting us to just rush ahead and do them. He's wanting us to pray about those things. He's teaching us to pray in dependence on him. And if we don't, if we just rush off and do rather than praying, actually we can not see everything that God's got for us. And you, and you might say, well, hang on, we, surely we don't need to wait. The disciples had to wait for the Holy Spirit. And God's promised us the Holy Spirit now, that he'll fill us when we pray. That's true. That's true. But Jesus still leads us to wait for different things in our lives. And usually when we pray, we find that God is changing us through our prayers. He's revealing maybe our impatience. He's revealing our selfish attitudes. He's revealing our anger and wanting to deal with it. He's revealing our faithlessness and lack of trust in him. And he's wanting to change us gently by his Holy Spirit and make us faithful as he's faithful. And prayer brings unity together. Unity as a church and unity between individuals. As we pray together, that's where we find unity. If you're not getting on with your brother or sister, pray for them. In fact, even better, pray with them. If you're having marriage problems, pray together. That's the best thing to do. If you're struggling with people in your life group, pray with them because God will bring unity as you do that. So God leads us to pray as we wait. I remember we were in a church in Ontario for a few years, but we were absolutely certain that God wanted us to be here in Fredericton, but it seemed there was no possible way that was going to happen. And I spoke to Dave Fellingham about it. He, Dave was very involved in the church here. And he said, well, I believe God is saying for you to be here, um, but I don't see how that is going to happen. He said, you need to do two things. He said, first, don't force something to happen. Don't try and make it happen yourself. He said, it will, it will go badly wrong. Don't do that. He said, the second thing you need to do is pray. He said, and it's not your going to bed prayers. He said, that's not the sort of prayers you're praying. He said, it's not your going to bed prayers. He said, it's going down. He said, I remember him saying it. He said, it's going down to your shed at the bottom of, the, uh, at the bottom of your yard and getting in there on your knees and crying out to God. He said, that's the sort of prayers you've got to do. <laughs> and it was great advice. And that's what we did. We prayed. Through tears, we prayed, and things got worse. <laughs> and we prayed, and we prayed. And one day, suddenly, God broke in, and he changed things. And honestly, it was a real miracle. And I, can't, I haven't got time, and I can't really go into the story here, but believe me, it was a miracle. And it changed suddenly, and here we are. That's the second part of the message today that we see. God's suddenly they were all together in one place and suddenly the sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So the disciples waited and they prayed and suddenly God moved 
and everything changed. And there are so many examples of suddenly moments in scriptures. We haven't got time to look up them all. The easiest way to find them is go onto a Bible app and just in the search thing type suddenly and then you, you can find them all. And there's lots of passages where difficult things are happening and suddenly God comes in. Here's one or two. Saul is persecuting the church until we read in Acts 9.3, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and a voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the man who was persecuting the church became the greatest missionary of the church. Peter is in prison in Acts 12 and we read, suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell and the angel led Peter out of prison. Again in Acts 16 in Philippi, Paul and Silas in prison. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons was shaken and the prison doors were open and everyone's chains became loose. I wonder if you've ever had one of those suddenly moments where God breaks in and changes everything in your situation. I imagine if you've learned to wait, you'll have experienced some suddenlies. As I said earlier, we were 15 years without children. And we, we did go down the, I, the first, um, IVF route, and God said no. We didn't even consider going down the adoption route for various reasons that I haven't got time to go into, but we hadn't even really considered that. And then on a visit to India, God suddenly and clearly spoke to us about adopting Grace and Joshua. And within an hour or two, we had a text from someone back in the UK saying they felt that they'd been praying for us and they felt that our India visit was going to be life-changing for us, which was quite amusing because it was our last day there. Normally you get those texts on the first day. This was on our last day, but we just felt God had clearly spoken to us. We got home. We went two days of prayer and fasting with our church leaders. And someone from another church spoke to our uh, pastor of our church. So he'd been standing behind us as we were worshipping. And he said he could almost visibly see the word adoption written over us. He went and said, shared that, not with us, wisely, because uh, he wouldn't have known the situation. Went and shared it with our church leader. But it was real confirmation to us that that was what God was saying to us. Within 15 months, we had Grace and Josh living with us, which is an incredibly quick process. Um, if you don't know how long it takes to adopt, usually. God suddenly changed everything after 15 years. God is a God of the suddenly, but he's a God who tells us to wait. The early church expected Jesus' return fairly imminently, and some fell away or got discouraged when it didn't happen, but the word of God shows us he keeps his promises. Time and again, he keeps his promises. The Bible talks about Jesus returning suddenly, like a thief in the night. Obviously, that's not happened yet. We're in the period of waiting. We have been waiting for 2,000 years, but we know God will do what he says, and we know that Jesus will return one day, and it will be sudden. Right now, we're living in very uncertain and unexpected times. Things have happened suddenly in our society, not in a good way. It can shake us. But we have to know that God is faithful and God is with us. Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying for God to move powerfully in our land. It's happened before in desperate times as people, 
even small groups have prayed for God to break out in power and suddenly revivals have broken out where people have been under great conviction of sin and they call out on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. We long for that to happen again. It can seem a long way off, but it can happen so quickly. Let's pray. People are trying to make sense of their lives. People are trying to understand what's happening. We can have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know his promises over us. We can pray for him to move suddenly in our land and in our personal lives. So let's keep gathering together. Let's keep praying. Let's keep encouraging each other that God is at work. He will move. One day, he will move. He'll move in our nation, and he'll move individually in our lives. Don't be tempted to take things into your own hands. Wait for God. When he does, it will be wonderful. Hold on. Let's keep encouraging and strengthening each other, believing and trusting in a God who is faithful and keeps his promises. Why don't we pray together as Anslow and the band just come back to lead us. Let's stand together, shall we? We're about to worship, but let's just pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that we see in Scripture things which mirror our lives. And Lord, we know the difficulties that we have in waiting we know when we're going through difficult situations and we long for it to end and we call out to you, God, will you change it? And sometimes it doesn't seem as though you're hearing. Sometimes it doesn't seem like anything's changing. Sometimes it seems that things can be getting worse. But thank you, God, we can be strengthened by your word. We can see this is who you are. You are a God who is faithful. You are a God who acts. But Lord, you act in the waiting. And Lord, I would imagine for all of us, we're in the period of waiting for something right now, whatever it might be. And you will have brought things to mind. And I pray, strengthen us, God, in the waiting. Keep us faithful to you. Thank you that you are always faithful to us. Keep us strong. Help us encourage each other as a church. Help us in our life groups and in our friendships within the church to be more vulnerable with each other, not to just talk about less consequential things, but to really say what's going on so we can find help and hope and strength and healing in you. Lord, I pray you'll do that in Jesus' name. And we wait for the suddenlies when you break in and move powerfully. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>